Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. We continue our sermon series titled, Surviving the Storm. It's our second sermon, and today we're going to talk about trust. Our foundational passage is found in Proverbs 10, verse 25. Proverbs 10, verse 25, the New Living Translation says, When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. I want to encourage you today, and I want you to know you're going to survive this period. You're going to survive what you're walking through. You're going to survive because you're trusting in the Lord and your house is built upon a lasting foundation. We spoke about how in September is one of the busiest months for hurricane activity for our part of the world. We live on a peninsula that extends between two bodies of warm water. We should expect storms. And just like living on this peninsula that stretches out into the ocean, separating two warm bodies of water means you're going to have storms, then realize in our spiritual walk, storms are a part of living. The questions we should be answering are, what must we do? How must we prepare? How do you storm-proof your life? How am I prepared to walk through the storms of life? Spiritual preparedness for what is ahead is of vital importance when facing the storms of life. We stated last week, it's not a matter of if a storm will come, it's a matter of when a storm comes. Last week's sermon, we said, you know what? The steps you take today matter. What are your daily routines? The attitude you choose is so imperative. We also spoke about how obedience builds a strong foundation. And obedience is, is more than just listening because there's a listening that leads to following. And following demonstrates discipleship. And what we learned from the passage of scripture last week is a strong foundation survives the storm. Storms will come. And what goes into a strong foundation is digging deep and laying the foundation on the solid rock. And we learn that Jesus is that solid rock. Can you say amen? amen. Well, today we're going to look at that word trust. And we're going to take every letter in that word trust and we're going to, we're going to use it to, to build today's sermon. In your sermon notes, the first thing, T, take God at his word. Take God at his word. If you're going to survive the season you are in, you have to learn to take God at his word. All of us love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. We love that verse, but I want you to see it in context this morning. Proverbs 3 verse 1 says, my son, do not forget my law. Don't let your heart or but let your heart keep my commands. 
So the context is meditate, learn the law, keep the commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And when you do this, you'll find favor and high esteem in the sight of God. And guess what? Your neighbor also. In the sight of God and man, you'll find favor. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. Take God at his word. By taking God at his word, you are turning every aspect of your life over to God. John Bevere writes this, sometimes our greatest challenge is to simply believe God's word over our existing condition. To take God and to believe God's word over our existing condition. See, a storm will lie to you. A storm will tell you God's forsaken you, but God's word says he'll never forsake you. A storm will send you messages that God is unfair and God is, is angry and mad with you. But hear me, the word of God tells me the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. You got to learn to take God at his word and believe his word over your circumstances. You got to learn to stand upon truth. Take the truth of God's word and make it yours. Make it personal to you. Take God's word and make God's word personal to your life. Let me take you to a passage. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. I want to show, show you something that, that to me is just fascinating. I don't know if I've ever seen it quite like this. Romans 5.17, the New Living Translation says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. So just like death, physical death, spiritual death reigns from Adam because of his, his disobedience, and it reigns to all of us, so even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, receive what? Grace and his righteousness will live in triumph. Notice that word, live in triumph. Live in victory over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. For all who received it, what? God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness, meaning Christ. You receive the life and the work of Christ. You'll live in triumph. You'll live in victory. The new King James catches it pretty, pretty, pretty succinct here. Let me read it out of the new King James version. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. I like that phrase. We'll have victory in, will reign in life. That phrase will reign comes from a word meaning to rule, to reign, to be king. 
Hear me, you are not a victim to your circumstances. You're meant to reign in the middle of the circumstances. You're not a victim to the storm. You're meant to reign even in the midst of the storm. It may be a setback, but hear me, it's just a setup for what God is going to do. You may be pushed down, but you're not crushed. You may feel like you're overwhelmed, but hear me, God is greater and you're ruling and reigning in the situation understand by God's grace and by his gift of righteousness, meaning the life of Christ. We reign with Christ. We reign in life. You're victorious. See yourself begin to live in victory. Begin to walk in that victory. You're a child of God. Rule and reign in life. God is stating that we will rule in life through the power of his son. Notice he didn't just say you'll rule in heaven one day or he didn't say you'll rule in the next life. No, he clearly decrees that we are to rule in this life through Christ. In other words, life on this earth is not to surpass us. We are to govern it. It's the word of God. It's his promise to us. Jesus Christ ruled in life. He ruled over opposition and adversity. He brought heaven to earth. Angry crowds could not push him off the cliff. He simply walked right through their midst. Demon-possessed people could, did not scare him. He simply freed them. Storms did not stop him. He simply, he simply calmed them. Do you understand this concept of reigning? Yes, you may go through a storm, but it doesn't have to defeat you. Yes, you may walk through a hardship, but you reign in Christ. You have the ability in Christ Jesus to have the mindset, for I can do all things through Christ, that though you are bombarded and attacked on every side, yet you can have done all. You can stand in victory. How many has got victory this morning? How many received the victory today? How many accept the victory of God in your life? I want you to take God at his word. Take God at his word that he's faithful. Take God at his word that he's, that he's consistent. Take God at his word that you'll rule and reign with him. Not only in that which is to come, but you reign with him today in victory. Can somebody say amen? amen. Look at the letter R. Write this under A. Rely upon his process. Rely upon his process. The storm reminds us there's a process. Listen, the storm, what the enemy means to destroy you with, God will use it to strengthen you. <laughs> what the enemy means to, to, to hold you back, get you discouraged, God's going to cause a spirit of joy to come on you. See, what the enemy meant to harm you, Joseph said this to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Anybody here today believe in divine reversal? Anybody here today believe that God can turn a situation around and what the enemy meant to discourage you with, what the enemy meant to hold you back and to get you down and to cause you to walk away? away from God, suddenly you realize God's plan is perfect. God's ways are perfect and he is going to work and move in your life. He's for you and not against you. And you are standing in the midst of the storm. Can somebody give God praise? Rely upon the process. 
Realize God has a perfect plan for you. God designed you. God created you. God blesses you. He heals you. God defends you. God forgives you. God loves you. God loves you. Christine Kane writes this. He's preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Oh, I wish I could take credit for that, but I can't. He's preparing you for what he has prepared for you. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord has prepared for those that love him. I believe it's not only talking about the hereafter, but I believe God has great plans for you today. I believe God has a great plan for your family in the here and now. I believe God wants to make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I believe God wants to do great things in your life now. Rely upon the process. Write this under B. Write the word responsibility. Sometimes our temptation in the storm is this, to take a victim mentality. It's their fault. It's this, this is the reason. And we blame everything else. Take responsibility for your own actions. Take responsibility for your own actions. If you refuse to take responsibility for your actions, what will happen is you'll develop this, this mentality that your life is because of everything else and everybody else, and you'll get sour in life. How many people have you met that are sour in life because they're blaming everything and everybody? Take responsibility for your own action. And can I tell you this in a storm? God means for that storm to cause growth in you. Can you take responsibility for your own growth? Take responsibility for your growth in Christ. Say, say listen, I'm not going to allow this to stump my growth. I'm going to allow this to enlarge my growth. I'm not going to allow this to mean to come angry and upset. I'm going to say, Lord, okay, how can I grow in the midst of the unpleasant situation? It's a choice that we make. Take the responsibility to make healthy choices. Healthy choices lead to healthy outcomes. Amen? Healthy choices lead to a healthy life. Guess what? Receive. Receive revelation that leads to renewal. There's nothing like a storm to drive you to your needs in prayer. Make it your aim to receive revelation that will refresh and bless you. I believe God has a message in every storm. I believe God has a revelation in every circumstance, every situation. And church, I believe that God will speak to you. Did you hear me? I believe God will speak to you. Ask God to give you ears that would hear I believe in the gift of prophecy. I believe that God uses people to speak into our life. But quit chasing people to give you a word when God wants to give you a word himself. God wants to speak in your life today. And I believe this, that the word that somebody speaks over you should confirm what you already know God's doing in your life. It should line up with the word of God. It's imperative, church, that we realize that we can receive revelation that's going to renew us. Revelation is going to refresh us in the storm. 
So look for God to speak in the storm. I read something the other day, and I, I understand the spirit of it, but I think it's dangerous. So if God's got a word for us, and he's told you, then speak it to us. I read that. I understand the heart because I know the people. I understand the heart is pure. I understand. But there's a danger, church, when we just let anybody speak into our life. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Be careful where you're receiving words from. It's imperative that you know those who labor among you. It's imperative that you understand. That's why the local church is so important. Because listen, you can't hide a whole lot in the local church. Because we live, we're doing life together. And it's imperative that you see the heart of the individual who's speaking in your life. That's important why, why, why you go through a process to get licensed and, and then ordained. That's why you just don't just ride off to the internet and get an ordination and say, oh, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a prophet. Oh, I'm preaching now. Come on, somebody. I'm going to chase that rabbit, and I'm going to put that rabbit, I'm going to put that head on. Ooh, come on. We got a whole... We got a whole lot of pastors and preachers out there ordained, but they're ordained from the internet. They're ordained because they sent 1599 onto the, the religious website, and now they call themselves preacher. They call themselves pastor. Know those who labor among you. Don't just let anybody speak into your life. Understand, it's imperative that you guard who speaks into your life. Somebody comes to you with a word, hear me. Be kind, be gentle. But line it up with the word of God. If it don't line it with what God's already doing, what God's already saying, what he says in his word, then you begin to pray for that person. Lord, they've missed it. Help them understand their calling. Come, somebody say amen. amen. Write this. Write the, under D. Write the word rest. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. The New King James Version says it this way. Casting all your care upon him. That's how I learned to cast all your care. Now, what is so neat about the original is this. The original word is really an a, a idiom that really means to throw upon. It means to cast upon. It means to count the cause responsibility for something to be upon someone. See, you were never meant to carry your worry. You were never meant to hold on to that worry. You were meant to throw it on to somebody else. And can I tell you what the word says? Cast your care upon God. We're good at casting our care upon somebody else, but they can't do anything about it. Cast your care upon God. I know you need somebody to talk to. I know we need to have conversation with people, but quit casting your care upon man. Quit casting your care upon people because they can't change the situation. Learn to cast your care upon God, who's Lord of the storm. Can somebody say amen? Well, I'm preaching better than you're letting on this morning. I can only assume I'm stepping on your toes and it's getting a little hot in this place. But I'm going to keep on keeping. I'm going to keep on stepping. Some, listen, quit being anxious and learn to rest. How you rest is you let go of your worries and you cast it upon the one who has the ability to, 
to control things. That's Jesus Christ. Do not worry. I read this. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. Come on. It's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it's not getting you anywhere. You're just worrying back and forth. Worrying back and forth. Worrying back and forth. You're wondering why that head's shaking. Because you're worrying back and forth. Cast your, throw your worries unto God. Look at the word you. I've got to quit being foolish this morning. Unconditionally surrender to him daily. Unconditionally surrender to the Lord daily. Understand, you may not always understand. Understand, you may not always understand. In Luke's gospel, chapter 9, Jesus just had a conversation with his disciples asking, who do men say that I am? And they revealed, and the Spirit of God revealed to them who he was. He's the son of the living God. In verse 21, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. And then he goes on to say some things. He says, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He'll be killed, but on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Notice that phrase. Give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, guess what? You will save it. That phrase this week stood out to me. There seems to be a theme the last several weeks of take up your cross, follow him. Quit doing things your own way. Seek God's way. Unconditionally surrender. Give up your own way. There is a path that seems right to us, but the end is peril. To surrender is to give up something only to take up the cross. Understand, biblical surrender is to give up, to let go of something, to take up the cross. To let go of your rights, to take up the cross. To let go of your way, to take up the cross. To, take, to, to, to let go of being in charge, to take up the cross. Biblical surrender is to release, to let go of something, to take up the cross. I believe, church, that there is an individual cross for each of us to take up. He said, take up your cross daily. It's not just that one time taking the cross. It's not just that one time standing up. It's that day to day in the midst of the storm, taking up the cross. But it doesn't stop there. We take up the cross to follow Christ, to follow Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, verse 22, says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Guess what? He sent them to cross the lake only to be faced with a storm. Unconditionally surrender. Daily take up your cross. 
Because there are some things in the storm you'll discover that there's no other way to discover unless you're in the storm. Jesus sent the disciples across the lake. And across the lake, in the middle thereof, is when the storm arose. The storm was meant to bring something out of them. The storm was meant to increase their faith. The storm was meant to teach a valuable lesson. I know we don't like storms, but there are lessons to learn. I know we don't like difficult and hardship. I know we don't like when things are not normal. But hear me, there are lessons to be learned in the storm. Allow the storm to bring out of you what God intends to bring out of you. Jesus walked on water and he calmed the storm. The only way they were going to see him calm the storm is they had to be in the middle of the storm. The only way that Peter was ever going to walk on water himself is he had to step out of the boat and get on the water. The only way they were going to learn that Jesus had the ability to control the wind and the waves was to be in the middle of the Sea of Galilee when a storm came and they discovered the power of God. Church, there are certain things you'll never discover except in a storm. Understand, God is faithful. God is good. Write this under B. Write the word unity. A heart of surrender does not demand its own way, but the good of others around them. When we surrender our right to be right, then others will see our good, and our goodness will bring others together. You know, nobody likes a hurricane. Nobody likes the effect of a hurricane. But immediately following the hurricane, it's like people's heart are open with compassion. And people who would not normally work together are suddenly calling each other. They're saying, how can I help you? What can I do? There's something unifying about a storm. There's something unifying when people have a heart to help others. This is so important. Allow the storm to unify you and not separate you. What I see so often after 30 years of pastoral ministry is when people go through a storm, instead of running to God, they run from God. Instead of running to church, they run away from church. Recognize what the enemy's trying to do you. The enemy's trying to use the storm to sift you. God's trying to use the storm to refine you. Don't run away from his church. Don't run away from others. Don't run away from his people. Run to them. You need the church. Unity is so important, which brings us to the letter S. Mark 10, verse 41, when the other 10 heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Remember, James and John said, Lord, we want to sit on your right and on your left when we come to the kingdom. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. For many. Write this under S. Serve in all things. Serving is at the heart of the gospel. 
Nobody likes a storm. Nobody likes the immediate act effect of the storm. But one of the things I love is to see the people of God begin to serve one another. Because we begin to see and realize what's really important is not the material things, but when our brother and sister are suffering, that we have the ability to alleviate their suffering. So let's begin to serve them. Serving brings people together. Let me give you a good principle. When you're in a storm, find a place to serve. When you're in a storm, find a place to serve. Serving brings the best out of people. Seek his will above all things. Seek the will of God in the middle of the storm. God, what are you doing? What are you speaking? What are you saying? What do you want me to learn, God? What is it? Write this under C. Write the word spirit, capital S, spirit. Be filled with the spirit. The storm should not empty you. The storm should fill you. Mm, mm, mm. Don't let the storm empty you. Allow the storm to fill you. That's a rainbow word, church. Listen, you may walk through the valley of weeping, but God can turn that valley of weeping into a place of abundance. Ask the God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Don't let the storm empty you, but allow the storm to fill you. Cause it this to help you seek God even more. Say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, send times of refreshing to my life. Help me, God, be a man or woman of the Spirit. Seek to be filled of the Spirit. I read this Wednesday night, but I want to read it again. Ephesians 5, 18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know the construction there. We've said it many times. The Greek says this, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Quit seeing how to satisfy your life with worldly things. Other words, say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me and help me continually be filled with the Spirit of God. Which brings us to the last letter, T. T stands for thankfulness. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. When we offer thanks to God, it's an expression of our faith. What should we give thanks to God for? Things for what he's already done. Can anybody testify today and say, God's been good to me? God's been good to me, my family. God has protected my family. God's been with my family. We've gone through some storms, and guess what? My family is still together. Uh, we've been through some storms, and guess what? My marriage survived. We've been through some storms, and guess what? We're not angry. We're joyful. We're not upset. We're being renewed. Anybody here today can say, I'm thankful for what God has done. God's been good to me. Psalm 103 says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget 
the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with loving and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like eagles. Wow. We should give God thanks for not only what he has already done, but for what he is doing even now, this moment. Look at that last verse, verse five. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Ooh. The reference is to the eagle as a symbol of life and vitality. It reminds me of what Isaiah penned. Isaiah 40, verse 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What am I doing? I thank God because I'm finding new strength. I'm soaring high. I'm running and not growing weary. I'm getting stronger. I'm walking even though through the fire, yet I'm not faint. I'm giving God thanks for what he has done and for what he is doing. He's renewing me every day. Woo. I said this before. It confuses the enemy when you go through a storm rejoicing. It, it, it confuses the powers of darkness when you walk through a storm with hands lifted high, worshiping the Lord in the middle of the storm. But guess what? You're going to give God thanks for what he's going to do. Going to do. We talked about that Tata praise, that sacrifice of praise is prophetic in nature. You offer it before the prayer is answered. You think, him anyhow. You thank him anyways. You praise him because you know he's going to work. You praise him because you know he's going to provide. You praise him because you know he's going to heal. You praise him in advance. Remember, your praise is a weapon. Your worship is a weapon. There's something powerful when the people of God begin to offer that sacrifice of praise. It's a shout before the walls come down. It's worship before the miracle happens. It's your spirit prophetically declaring, my God is going to work. I'm going to reign over the storm. I'm going to rule and I'm going to reign with Jesus. I'm victorious. Musicians, will you come? Write this last fill in the blank. Write the word transformation. We're talking about trusting in the midst of the storm. T can also stand for transformation, which leads to the question, God, what do you want to remove in my life that needs to be removed? What in my life needs to be taken out? Now, I'm going to get real for you in just a moment. You know, when we have hurricanes come, sometimes we're like, Lord, that shed in the back, I need a new shed. So, Lord, take that shed out, Lord, because I need that shed to be removed, and I need the insurance to pay for it, God. You know you've asked the Lord to do stuff like that. Say, Lord, I sure need a, I need a new roof, God. <laughs> and Lord, they want, they want this amount of money. But, but Lord, if, if it takes out just a little bit extra on my roof, then it, you know, there's some things in your life you want the storm to remove. I'm being a little facetious. But there are some things in our life that need to be removed. And sometimes only a storm can help us see what needs to be removed. Transformation. 
means you got to be transparent with yourself. Oh, you can write that one down. That's a good one. Transparency with yourself to say, Lord, what are those attitudes that I need to change? What are those things I'm doing that's contrary to your will, contrary to your word? I can't take you at your word if I'm not going to live by your word, God. Being transparent with yourself. If you cannot be honest with yourself, who can you be honest with? And I, I wonder if, if not in the day and age we're living, if we've lost the ability to be transparent even with ourselves. There's some things that we need the storm to remove. And how many will say today, Lord, I'll be transparent before you. Whatever in my life that you see, oh God, like David of old said, search me, oh God, and try me. See if there be any wicked way within me. Remove it, God. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. How many can be transparent today and say, Lord, transform me. Remove some things in my life that's not pleasant. Will you be so honest with yourself and with the Spirit of God to say, Lord, Help me to be transformed in the midst of walking through the storm. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now. I pray for your strength. I pray, God, for a few moments we'll be vulnerable. I ask you, Jesus, to help us to allow the storm to take away some things that need to be taken away. Things that need to be, need to be transformed. Help us to let it take it out. As our head is bowed, our eyes are closed. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, there's some things in my life that I know the Holy Spirit wants to change. I know the Holy Spirit wants me to remove in my life. I'm walking through a situation that's revealed some things in my life, some attitudes, some motives, some hidden sins, some things in my life that I need, I need to get rid of. And that's you, just, just lift your hand just for a moment. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, yes, all across this auditorium. Individuals are raising their hand. Yes, God, Spirit of the Lord, refresh us. Spirit of God, move us. Spirit of God, change us. Spirit of God, transform us. Church, can we stand together for a few moments? They're going to lead us in worship.